Welcome back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles. I welcome you back, and I appreciate so much your interest in spiritual things and for all the encouragement and support that I've received uh, as the host of this podcast and being on the Scattered Abroad Network. Uh, we appreciate you greatly, and uh, I, I personally want to thank you for tuning in today, tuning in to this season, and tuning in to this podcast in general. Uh, it means a, a lot to me, but of course we're not doing this for us. We're doing this to the glory of God, and He deserves all the praise uh, for everything that's going on with this podcast. We are in Season 7 of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Abroad Network. This is a network of podcasts you can find uh, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple Podcast or Amazon, wherever the case may be. Uh, we appreciate you listening to uh, our our podcast throughout uh, your week. We have content coming out every day. You can visit our website, scatterbroad.org. Uh, you can uh, visit our Facebook page, our Instagram. And as we announced in Episode 1, the Scatterbroad Network is now a work of the Memphis School of Preaching. This, of course, is near and dear to my heart because I am a 2018 alumni of uh, the Memphis School of Preaching and extremely, extremely humbled and honored to be on this network that is now a part uh, of the Memphis School of Preaching. And so I'm just very grateful uh, that we can put all this together, that, that God has allowed us to do this and provided the means by which we could do it. And uh, in episode one, if you were listening last week, then you got to hear Michael Clark, who is now the Director of Operations of the Scattered Broad Network, of course, working with the network and with the school. It was great to have him down here last week. He was able to uh, go to Georgia Christian School down the road and speak in chapel, uh, do some recruiting, and we were able to do some recording last week and enjoy uh, some, some fellowship. And so, again, just been a wonderful time uh, for me to uh, be able to get back in the saddle, if you will, on the podcasting, and uh, thankful that, to spend this time with you. As we mentioned in Episode 1 last week, our theme for Season 7 is weathering the storm in the home. And we discussed the importance of the home. We talked about God's design for the home. We went back to the very the blueprint, Genesis 2, 18-25. We discussed Psalm 127, uh, Colossians 3, 18-21, and, and a host of other passages to try to lay the foundation or the groundwork for where we're going this season. And today's episode is going to be entitled, Before You Get Married, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Uh, we live in a, in a society where a lot of folks will just hop into marriage. They'll just jump into it and not really think about what they're doing or the magnitude of the decision they're about to make. And I've said this several times from the pulpit, that the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life is whether or not uh, you're going to be married and who you're going to marry. The number one most important decision, of course, is whether or not you're going to obey the gospel. But second only to that is who you decide to marry. It's that important because who you marry will either hinder you from getting to heaven or help you get to heaven. Uh, and that is the criteria. I know that sometimes you get caught up on looks. And if you can find a godly woman uh, that also looks great, then that's a plus. And I absolutely did that. I outkicked my coverage, as some say, and I'm blessed with a beautiful, godly wife. Uh, and I love, of course, her outward features, her outward beauty. But to me, it's the inner beauty. Uh, that, that I love so much about her. And uh, we, we think about the importance then of looking beyond just the physical, looking beyond just what you see on the outside. Find you a spouse that's going to help you get to heaven. 
one of the things that I'm privileged to do as a minister is to perform wedding ceremonies. I actually did two in the month of October in 2023. Uh, privileged to do one of my best friends growing up, his wedding, and then turn around two weeks later. And my cousin Lindsay uh, was able uh, to officiate her wedding. And weddings, of course, are, are such a great time, and it's always an enjoyable thing to do. And to be a part of that is important and special, but it's something that I don't take lightly. In fact, I, I make it a practice that if I'm going to be uh, the official, the officiant of the wedding, then I require the, the couple to meet with me for three sessions of premarital counseling. One of the main reasons that I do that is because Brittany and I met with Steve McCaslin, a great godly man, preacher in Adairsville, my home congregation, who met with us on three separate occasions. And some of the things that he talked about, I still think about. They still have stuck with me you know, these all these years later. And November the 8th, 2014 is when Brittany and I were married. And so now we're spending uh, these, these years of marriage together. And, and again, these things that we talked about in those, those weeks leading up to that day uh, still, still stick with us. And I'm so very grateful that Steve took the time to teach us. And so in today's episode, I'm essentially going to walk through the premarital counseling that I do with couples. And the reason I want to do this on this platform and, and through this avenue is to hopefully help someone who may be listening to say, okay, I'm about to get married or I'm thinking about uh, you know, being engaged to someone. Uh, I've been dating them for a long time. We've talked about marriage. I'm thinking about it. Then this podcast is for you. Before you get married, there are some things you need to know. There are some things you need to consider. And so looking forward to discussing this with you. First thing you need to do uh, when you think about marriage is understand that this is when the home is established. You know, in Genesis chapter 2, 18 through 25, if you have your Bibles, I invite you there. We're going to look at that passage in just a moment. But that's when the home was established. When God brought the woman to the man. Of course, the Bible says man shall leave father and mother cleaving to his wife and they two shall become one. That idea of becoming one means you're becoming a new unit. This is a new family. A new home is being established when a man and a woman are married. And so as we think about weathering the storm in the home, if you do it God's way, you're going to avoid a lot of storms. If you do it the world's way, go ahead and expect storms to come at you and you won't have an answer for them. So building it God's way, doing this the way that God designed, the way that God has revealed in His Word, will help you as you strive to weather those different storms that come. Because listen, everyone that's listening that's married, you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, marriage is wonderful, it's great, but it also comes with storms from time to time. And it's just reality. You know, maybe it's sickness in the home and, and, and you're having to do different things that normally you wouldn't do to tend to your spouse. And, of course, you do that because you love them. But that can come, that can be a challenge. And there are some who will go to the ends of the earth for them, and that's the way it should be, of course. But then there's financial problems that come up. Uh, there's problems with, with children, and maybe the parents disagree on, on a certain thing. Uh, there's just day-to-day -day disagreements that pop up. And so there are storms that come up, but here's the difference. When you build your life, when you build your marriage on the foundation of the of the truth of God, then you will have the right foundation to weather the storm. It, it reminds me 
of the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus compares the wise man and the foolish man. You know, the wise man built his house on the rock. The rains came, the storms came, but the house stood firm. The foolish man built his house on the sand. The rains came, and, and what did the house do? It went splat, right? When you build your marriage on the rock-solid foundation of the truth of God, when Christ is the center of your marriage, then when the rains come and beat on the house, it will stand firm. So that's what this season is about, and that's really what this episode is about, is when we think about you know, things that you need to consider before you say, I do. So we, be, we begin by defining marriage. What exactly is marriage? Marriage is a union between a man and a woman. And in today's world, in today's society, that seems to be confusing, but it's really not. The Bible says one man, one woman for life. That's God's design for the home. The home, the marriage relationship, is the oldest institution created by God, second only to the church. The reason I say that is the church existed in the eternal mind and eternal purpose of God, according to Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. So if you have your Bibles open to that text in Genesis 2, notice some P's of marriage. There are four P's of marriage from this text. And here's where we read of God's design for the home. In verse 18, you have the purpose of marriage. You know, Adam was by himself. And everything that God created was good, but but when he saw that Adam was by himself, he said, it is not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper comparable to him. And he allowed Adam to name all the animals so he could see for himself, hey, something's missing here. You know, Mr. Giraffe has a Mrs. Giraffe. Mr. Rhino has a Mrs. Rhino. What about me? Where is my better half? And so God made a woman. So the purpose of marriage then from verse 18, is companionship. It's conversation. It's help. It's intimacy. It's being close with someone in the world that you're closer to than anybody else. And and that's how important marriage is. That That's how sacred it is. And again, unfortunately, there are some who, who don't look at it that way. But in the sight of God, marriage is sacred. And it ought to be in our sight as well. So six times before this statement, it is said that it was good or even it was very good. But again, it was not good for Adam to be alone. So the purpose of marriage, from verse 18, is to have someone that's closer to you than anybody else to help you navigate through life. The second P of marriage is priority. This is from verse 24. Man shall leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. When you marry... Your spouse is your new priority. Let me say that again. When you marry, your spouse is your new priority. He or she is going to come before any other person. God, of course, is to be first. You are to seek first the kingdom, Matthew 6.33. But your spouse is the one who you think about and the one who you put first before all other people. Even when children come into the picture, and I'm I'm a father of four, a proud father of four, and as much as Brittany and I love our children, my love for Brittany is, is first. She's my priority. Sometimes that gets that gets messed up and mixed up. And so you pit one child against an, uh, another parent or all kinds of different things go on. But we love our children, but our love for each other is to supersede that in the, in the, in the sense that this is our priority, is one another. 
So you have the purpose in verse 18. You have the priority in verse 24. Also in verse 24, you have the third P, which is permanence. Permanence. They shall become one flesh. The idea here about being joined means to stick or to cling to. If you can picture something that's clinging to something else or even something that's that's glued strongly to something, it's the idea of leaving and cleaving. Leave father and mother and you cleave unto your wife. So to repeat this, God's design for marriage is one man for one woman for life. When Jesus was asked about this, he went back to this blueprint, Matthew 19, 4 through 6. You know, they tried to come up with some kind of hypothetical thing to trap Jesus, and he said, have you not read? He who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and for this reason, man shall leave father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and two shall become one flesh. And then Jesus said this, Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. Marriage is joined by Almighty God, and it's permanent. In Romans chapter 7, we read, of course, that if your spouse dies, then then you're free from that. But you have death, and then the only other exception would be fornication. And that's according to Matthew 19, 9. When you think about the fact that marriage is designed by God, and He's the one who determines uh, everything that goes along with that, then He's the one that decided, and He's the one who has revealed through His Word that marriage is permanent. It's not trial and error. It's not a test drive. When you say, I do, then you do until you draw your last breath. That's what God designed. So the purpose of marriage, verse 18, the priority and the permanence of marriage in verse 24. And the final P is in verse 25, and that's the word purity. Purity. There's no shame in a godly marriage. Inside the confines of that marriage, is where love is to be expressed and experienced. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. The marriage bed is is undefiled. Marriage is honorable, the bed undefiled, but adulterers and fornicators God will judge. In other words, God doesn't take it lightly when you treat sex the wrong way. Uh, But it is to be enjoyed inside the marriage relationship. That's the way God designed it. It's pure and it's right for husband and wife to to enjoy that. That's something that's a gift from God. But when you go outside of the marriage relationship to fulfill that desire, that is sin. And that is not what God designed in the home. So before you get married, remember the purpose of marriage, the priority of marriage, the permanence of marriage, and the purity of marriage. And do everything in your power to remember those four Ps and to put those into practice and to maintain those things as you strive to have a godly marriage. As we transition into the next point, I want us to think about three words. These are three words that that Brittany and I have employed in our marriage, um, and and I'm so grateful that she has kept up her end of the bargain. Of course, I do the same. And these are three words that, that come to the forefront, and I can go back over the years that we've been married and think about some of the things we've gone through. And and these three have really kept us moving forward. I I have no doubt. And and if you're listening and again, you're, you're thinking about becoming married or maybe, you you know, we've got a couple here at equipment that are getting married in March. And I'm thinking about them at this time as well. These are these three words to keep in mind. Number one is the word honesty. 
if you can't be honest with your spouse, it's not going to go well. You've got to open up and you've got to be honest. In Proverbs 31 and verse 11, it says that the heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. You've got to be able to trust your spouse. You've got to be able to trust your spouse. You know, no matter what you devise in your own mind or what other people say or whatever, you trust that when your spouse leaves the house, that he or she is coming back home that night and that everything is intact. You've got to have that trust. You've got to be able to, to be able to go and earn that trust, of course. But it's so important that you're honest. You know, I, I safely trust my wife. I know what she does. I, I, I'm thankful that, that I have that trust because it just brings us a lot of joy. And if you don't have that honesty, then it opens the door to betrayal. And that's not the way that God designed the home. Second is the word communication. Communication. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 46, it talks about Jesus uh, as a young man, of course, sitting in the midst of the teachers, and he was doing two things. Number one, he was listening to them. And number two, he was asking them questions. When you're listening to someone and you're able to follow in the conversation, and then you're able to ask a question or to get clarification, that shows even more that you're listening. Communication is key. It is absolutely key to any relationship, especially your marriage. You know, if you've got plans, you want to go do something, don't keep it from your spouse. If you've got something that's come up and, and, and you know, you need to talk about it, don't go to someone else first. Go to your spouse. Go to the one that you are glued to, according to Genesis chapter 2, and have that communication. Have it open and honest line of communication that you can talk to each other, that you can work through things. It is not healthy to keep things to yourself. Talk to each other. Communicate. These are Again, these are things you need to know before you get married that will help you hopefully weather and avoid and weather several storms that, that could come. So honesty, communication, and the third word is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4.32. There's a lot of things I love about my wife, but this, this is one that, that I think about quite often. I am so thankful that when she forgives, she moves forward. It's, it's one of the traits that, that I appreciate and respect so much about her. And that's not just with me. It's, she just has that ability to put Ephesians 4.32 into practice. To say, you know, I messed up. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I totally missed it. She has that ability to forgive and move forward. And that encourages me to do the same. And so you're going to have, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have bumps. You're going to have bruises. You're going to have things that happen in your marriage. Be able to forgive one another. And remember Ephesians 4.32. You think about how much God has forgiven you. Show that same mercy and extend that in forgiving your spouse when things happen and, and go different ways. That's section two, or week two of the premarital counseling. And then week three, we get into responsibilities. I want to go through these quickly because we're going to be talking about these in future episodes. In fact, beginning in episode three and going down through uh, really through episode eight, we're going to be talking about roles in the home. You know, doing it right, 
what happens when you do it wrong. Uh, the role of the husband, the role of the father, the role of the wife, the role of the mother. We're going to talk about that. But, but I do want to end this episode by going very quickly over the responsibilities of the husband and the responsibilities of the wife. These are things you must know and need to know before you get married. We'll start with the husband since the husband is the head of the home, according to God. Number one, love your wife. I know that sounds self-explanatory and, and cliche, but love your wife. How much? In Ephesians chapter 5, 22-32, we learn that husbands are to love their wives even as Christ loved the church. Now, how much did Jesus love the church? He gave himself for her. Quite literally, and I tell every man that comes to me for marriage counseling with his fiance right beside him, you must be willing to die for her. Jesus died for the church. You must be willing to die for her. That's the kind of love that we are to have for our wives. First John three eighteen. Let us not love in word or in deed, but a word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, I make it a practice to tell my wife I love her every single day. But you know, I can say that, but what if I'm not showing it? What if I'm not doing it? I'm not doing the little things that that show and demonstrate my love. Well, it's the same thing in, in spiritually too. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So you can say and even sing, oh, how I love Jesus. But if you're not doing what he says, do you really love him? So in the marriage relationship, husbands, love your wives. Second, husbands are to honor the wife. Honor the wife. 1 Peter 3, 7. Give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. So love your wife. Honor your wife. Number three for the husband, lead. Lead your wife. Be a leader. Christ is head of the church, even as the husband is the head of the wife. The husband is the spiritual leader in the home. And you got the responsibility to lead your wife to glory. Lead your wife to heaven. That is your responsibility. And when children get in the mix, you are the spiritual leader. So don't take it lightly. Ephesians 5, 23, 24, 1 Timothy 2, 13. And then fourth, the husband is to provide. The husband is the protector and the provider. We're going to talk about this again uh, in episode 5 when we get into the roles of the home, uh, episodes 5 through 8. But we're thinking about providing. This is more than just bringing home money, bringing home a paycheck. It's providing for physical needs, emotional needs, and no doubt being a leader in spiritual needs and being able to teach and to study with and to pray for your wife. So husbands, love, honor, lead, and provide. Finally, let's think about the wife. Uh, and we'll flesh this out in future episodes, but the wife, same thing, love your husband. Titus chapter 2 and verse 4, the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Second, be in subjection to and be submissive to your husband. Colossians 3.18, 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2, Titus 2, 5. The wife is to submit unto her husband, because that's what God said to do. Be submissive. And that's how you can honor God and glorify Him in your marriage. And then finally, respect and honor your husband. Ephesians 5.33 The way you dress, the way you talk, the way you act, what you do, it reflects your husband. And so wives, respect and honor your husband. Honor them as the head of the house. Respect them. Show that respect. Make sure your children see that respect. And this will be the kind of home that God is looking for and the, the home that God desires. 
So again, if you listen to this today before you get married, I encourage you to consider the things that we have studied. And I hope and pray that if you do and put them into practice, it will help you to avoid a lot of storms that could come your way. As I've mentioned several times, we're going to keep flowing with this theme of weathering the storm in the home. The next two episodes, we're going to talk about the high cost of marriage, the high cost of doing it right, the high cost of doing it wrong. We'll then get into the roles in the home, the role of the husband, the father, the wife, and the mother. We'll then start a series on redeeming the time, how we ought to spend time with each other. In episodes 12 through 16, we're going to talk about Satan's plan of attack for the home. When we get to episode 17 through 20, we're going to talk about putting on the whole armor of God, fighting against those things that would come and attack us in the home. And then finally, episode 21, we'll discuss the importance of taking a stand and making sure that, that our home is the way that God would have it. So I'm really excited about the rest of this season, and I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to listen now to episode one and episode two. I look forward to next week as we think about the high cost of marriage, doing it right, according to what the Bible says. Once again, I thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode will help you to weather the storm. God bless you.